Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, John Padilla dives into Moses' time in the desert and his encounter with God at the burning bush. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. So um, let's turn to Exodus 2 if you have your Bible. Who's been loving the Exodus series so far? Yeah? Um, There's a good book if you feel like you want to study further. Whenever I preach, I always preach out of a book that's a little, it's a little hack. If the Lord ever makes you guys preachers, it's not, it's not necessarily always me. It's, it's always just kind of taking different things that I read and then just figuring out how to communicate. So there's a book if you want to further study. It's called The Life of Moses by Charles Swindolf. Do we have any readers in here? That's a great book. I highly recommend it. It will be a further resource for you. And you can just like fact check, a fact fact check, and just like, hey, is, is what John and Casey and Peter actually write? You know, or, or what are they saying is right? So Exodus 2, I kind of want to follow up. I know Casey touched on wilderness. I want to re-follow that up because I feel like that's an important message for us young people. And I, and I want to hopefully, you know, we're running a little over on time. I want to hopefully get into the burning bush. So I want to start out of Exodus 2, 11, and then hopefully end in Exodus 3, 3:10. So this passage was really ministering to me. I know you guys already flipped to Exodus 2 and you can stay there. But Acts 7, 25 says that Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God sent him to rescue them. So kind of like recapping on what Casey has been saying and speaking on, you know, Moses had pretty much, he had thought that it was his God-given destiny to deliver the Israelites. Who remembers that? Right. Do y'all remember that when Casey was speaking on that? So pretty much what happened was that Moses was son of Pharaoh, adopted son of Pharaoh. So what does that mean? That means that he was prince. And it means that Pharaoh's wife was his mother in a way and that his adopt, his uh, real mother was made in, in living with them. So throughout this whole time, there was a prophecy saying like there's like that the Lord was going to deliver, was going to deliver the Israelites out of bondage of Egypt. So scholars would say that Moses's mother would be the one telling Moses like, hey, you're the guy. Like this is the call over your life. The call over your life is that you're going to be the guy that delivers our people out of bondage. So Moses grew up learning everything about Egypt. You know, who, who, I know most of y'all are familiar with Moses and y'all are familiar with Moses making excuses like, hey, I, you know, don't pick me. And he makes all, he makes this grand speech about not picking me and that he can't speak. That's actually very false. You know, maybe he did have a kind of stutter, but he was very educated. Think about it. He was Pharaoh's son. So he went to the best schools. He knew everything. He was dressed in the best clothing. He was luxury. You know, like he just wore, his status was pretty high. And he was next in line to be Pharaoh. Isn't that wild? That's like 
extremely wild. So what, what I'm trying, I'm just trying to paint context, right? And, but Acts 7, 25 says in scripture that Moses knew that his God-given destiny was to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. So he, he knew this. This was something burning in him. So Exodus 2, we're in Exodus 2, verse 11, says, Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of the fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. So again, Acts 7, 25 says that Moses knew that he was the guy. He knew that his calling, his assignment was to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. He knew that. He knew that. That was instilled in him. And scripture says it. So Moses, he's trained in all the ways. He reaches 40 and he's like, now's my time. It's my time. It's my time. I'm going to act out of the flesh and I'm going to do it. What I'm trying, what I want to kind of point out is that it's not wrong to have dreams and desires and assignments that the Lord has spoken to you. And Moses, while Moses' calling and assignment was right, his timing was off, right? How many in here would say, I have a, the Lord has spoke to me that I am going to launch a business or going to be a pastor or missionary or have some sort of initiative, you know, be a nurse or something like that. Like that's, that's godly. And I want you to know that God does that. You know, like raise your hand if you would say that I have a dream. Have no shame about it. Like if you have a dream, that's godly. I, like that's really godly. I salute that. That is, you know, of God. There's nothing to be ashamed of. God speaks that to us about things that he desires to do through us. So some of you guys in this room, like I said, you guys are going to launch businesses, be pastors in this room, missionaries, you know, like do big things, launch nonprofits, you know, like launch big initiatives. Some of you guys are creatives, dancers, like all these different things. And like, we're, we're pretty dope. Like we are a, a pretty dope church, I would say. And we're really talented. And I say that with, you know, confidence and Alejandro's not here, but Mauricio, like they have their own detailing business. Sebastian cuts hair. Like we have a bunch and many more, like everyone has like, we're dope, you know, Ash dances. I'm not trying to like put y'all on the spot, but we're pretty dope. And we have like, like just things that the Lord's placed in our heart like that. And that when I see stuff like that, I'm like, man, like I'm proud. Like I went to Alejandro to get my car detailed. He had his own little shop. He had his own like, you know, just like the sign and all these different things. I was like, bro, we're legit. This man's 19, has his own business. Like, like, come on, let's go. Angel has his own flan thing. Like we really like, we're stepping, like we're talented for real. Um, so Psalm 139 16, and I want to prove to you that God actually has dreams for you. And that if you raise your hand and you said, I have a dream, I have, you know, Martin Luther King. But if you raise your hand and you said, I have a dream, there's an assignment for me, there's a calling, I want you to know that's of God. So I, I don't want to paint the false picture that that's not of God. If you're like, if you feel like, man, I'm supposed to be a pastor one day, John's going to go out and then you're going to be in here. Salute. I like salute. However, I can get you here. Like salute. 
Psalm 139.16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. It said every day of my life was recorded in the book. God has dreams and desires for us when we were in the womb. It says that we were being formed in the womb and he had dreams and desires for us. That there is a God-given destiny for us. That's of God. And Moses had the same thing. He had a God-given desire, dream, assignment, and calling in his life. The problem with Moses and us young people, me included, so I don't want to preach this message with kind of like, oh, I know better. So please, I don't know better. I'm still in this process because I, I am an eager man in the way that I go after things. And often I fall straight on my face. The problem, here's the problem. The problem with Moses, a lot of times we're given assignments, we're given dreams, but we write the description. We write the map. So a lot of times we're given the destination. We write, this is how it's going to go. Boom, I'm going to get married at 19. Then by 23, I'm going to have three kids. By 25, I'm going to have a house. I'm going to be in my career. Like we write all this, everything. Isn't that true? Like I do that all the time. I'm like, okay, bet. Like gatekeepers, by this time, we're going to reach 300, Casey. And like, we're going to be on several different campuses. And like, it's going to be lit, bro. And then like... What, what does the Bible say? The Bible say hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when we create the roadmap for what our calling is, it actually sets us up for failure. Right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Do you guys relate? There has been a lot of hardship in my end, just being eager in ministry, being eager to see revival, being eager to just, you know, like see us get after it, that I've launched several initiatives in the flesh, you know, for great ideas, like they, and they, it, it fit my calling and it fit my assignment, but it was completely in the flesh and it was out of my own strength. So here's the thing. God gives us dreams. Man writes the description. God gives us tasks in the assignment, man writes how. If God was the one to give the promise, isn't he the one to make it happen? Right? Thank you, Maria. Shouldn't it be organic? Shouldn't it just happen naturally? Right? Shouldn't doors just open at the right time and we're able to just like leap through them and really like pass through them? If it was of God, why is it so hard? Why does it seem like doors are closing? Why does it seem like I just can't press through? People aren't really, really down to like follow or people aren't down to do this thing because it was completely in the flesh and I acted out of the flesh. Don't mishear what I'm saying. Please don't. I'm not saying, you know, sit on the couch and money's just going to come. I'm not saying, you know, just sit and Boom, you're going to be a famous DJ if the Lord has called you to that, right? Uh, Dustin has always told me, God does not move a parked car, right? Or, so if my car is parked, God can't traject me. But if I'm moving, if I'm going, God, God can kind of be like, all right, go left, go right. So don't mishear what I'm saying when I say, you know, like, when I'm saying... What I'm saying is that 
when we, a lot of times, when, really, when we give assignments and callings, we write the description how, we write when it's going to happen, we're going to write the right people that we're going to connect with, and it sets your heart for complete failure. Trust me, beloved, when I, I have done this so many different times, and my heart has been just sick, like, just like, and complete, like, oh, like, like you know that, that morning when you just like, oh, like, you're just like feeling it. I, I guess I'm the only one. God is faithful to his promises. I'm going to give you some scriptures that say he's faithful to his promises. So Moses had a promise. He had a calling. He had an assignment. That he, what was he going to do? He was going to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human. He should not lie, nor a human being. <coughs> that he should not change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So if God gives you a promise, an assignment, a calling, isn't it he the one that does it, right? Doesn't he make it happen? But a lot, oh, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself now. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Not John, if he, all right, bet, the Lord called me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to force my own way. That's how I act. Really, just being vulnerable with y'all. Jeremiah 1, 12, then the Lord said to me, <coughs> you have seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. So when he speaks, it's this word. And if he spoke a destiny, a calling, an assignment to you, he's the one that's going to do it, to perform it. So Moses, right? Moses had a God-given calling. He was going to leave the Israelites out of Egypt. What went wrong, right? Sincerely, what, what went wrong? Like Casey said last, last week, Moses had the right calling. He had it right. The problem was <coughs> he acted in the flesh before he consult, consulted God what to do. What is, called, what is it called when you assume that you deserve something? What is it called when you assume that you deserve that race? What is it called when you assume that you're supposed to be the leader, right? Because that's what Moses did. He assumed the Lord spoke it, so I deserve that spot. What is that called? That, that's close. That beloved is called pride. That, that, you know, that, that word that stinks. No, nah, I ain't prideful. That word that just like, he's prideful. You know, like, she's prideful. I ain't prideful. I'm humble. No, nah, I'm very prideful. Lord, please rebuke me. Moses had a deep root of pride in his heart, right? Because Acts 5, 25 says that Moses assumed that the Israelites would follow him. Nowhere in scripture does it say Moses consulted God before he did that. So he had the right calling, he had the right assignment, but nowhere in scripture it said, all right, he's gonna go to the prayer closet real quick. God, what are you saying? He didn't even do that. He skipped that whole step. He said, I already know my calling. I already know I'm supposed to lead these people. I have all the influence. I already know I'm just gonna go for it. You know, let's take, let's take the middleman out. Let's take God out and let me do it. That's really what Moses was saying. How many times have we done that? I've, beloved, I have done that so many times. 
just moved in the flesh. All right, just me and Jonah. Thanks, Jonah. Moses, like, like we said, he grew up in the Pharaoh's palace, and he was destined for the throne. He had everything. He had gone to the prestigious schools. He had God-given favor in his life. He ate grapes and had the finest foods of Egypt. Moses, he had this attitude like, yo, I already know. My mom's been telling me the past 40 years, like, I'm going to be the one to deliver us. So let me just do it, you know? Let me not consult God. Let me not even consult my leaders. Let me just do it. Take the middleman out. I already know that's what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to go. God honors humility when you seek him. He desires your fellowship. Again, if God gave you that promise, some of you guys, y'all going to be pastors in this room. Some of you guys going to launch businesses. Some of y'all are going to be missionaries. If God gave you that desire, he desires to walk with you in that. He's like, hey, let's do this together. I gave you this. Let's do it together. Let's, let's walk together. Moses, nowhere in scripture does it say he consulted God before he did that action of beating the Hebrew man up. Matthew 18, 4 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace humble. Oh, that's James 5, 6. Matthew 18, 4 says, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What does a child do when a father, you know, to a father or mother? Mom, can I do this? You know, can I go out with my friends? Can, can I go play Yu-Gi-Oh with my friends? And the mom says, no. And it's like, okay, I won't. I was a, re- I was a rebel kid, so I still went. I sneaked out. <laughs> but the concept is like, you know, like if mom says no, like I ain't going. And we don't do that because we're so full of zeal. We're so full of like energy. And we're like, man, like I already know, like how am I supposed to do this, man? Let me take God out. Let me just go full force. Little loop. (laughs) Y'all like that? (laughs) So we're supposed to, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray for decisions, right? Let's pray before moving. We like to move. I, lo- I like to keep moving. But let's pray before we move. Okay, here we go. It's very common for people our age, me included, to just move. Let me just go. I'm just going to go. Seems like a good idea. You know, it seems like God said preach the gospel. God, God said feed the widows. Let me just go. Right? And I fall straight on my face because it was an act of flesh. I have often moved the head of God full of zeal and passion to do something for God. And it just doesn't work and it's painful. And it's just like, ah, oh, so painful. Because doors are just not opening. Right? Isaiah 22, 22 says, I have the keys of David and I open doors and no one will open and I shut doors and no one will shut. So if God has given you a dream and desire, beloved, then he will open the door for you. But if he hasn't given you that dream and desire, the door will feel closed and you will keep hitting the door. Keep hitting the door. 
When doors are closed or it's not going as smooth as I want, I fall f- like just f- like, oh, I already said this. I fall just straight on my face. So what should we do? We should pray before making decisions. We should pray before moving. We should pray when there's a big decision to do. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. God, should I go left or right? Colossians 3, 17 says, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, what is deed? Action. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Sometimes when you're not hearing God, clearly, what's the next step? The next step, I'm going to go with my spiritual fathers and mothers. I was always told, you know, like, surround yourself with wise counsel. You have spiritual authority for a reason. Consult them. Beloved, we're at the age where we need accountability. Like, it's just dark times. Our age is a dark time. We, we are in a war with purity. That's real. That is like, if you, if like, we're going to address that from the pulpit. Like, we are in a war with purity. We need accountability. We need to be surrounded with fathers and mothers, spiritual uncles and aunts. John, I don't even know they're spiritual uncles. Yeah, they are. I'm going to give you four verses that said you need counsel to consult wise counsel. Proverbs 15, 22. And there was a lot when I searched it up. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But where there is abundance of counselor, there is safety. Right? So if you're if you trying to make a decision towards your calling like Moses did, and you feel like you're not hearing God, go consult you know, your brothers, your sisters, spiritual uncles, spiritual mothers. Go consult them. Ask them. Ask abundance of them. Like, hey, I got this decision. Like, I don't know where I should move left or right. What do you think? I think you should move right. And, uh, and then I've, I've often ran into this. My other one says, I think you should move left. So it's like, there y'all are both telling me something different. So then you ask a third person to kind of like, like break in. It's like, okay, two, two, two thirds of them said move right. So I'm going to move right. Proverbs, that's funny. Who, who else has been in that situation? Yeah, it happens all the time. Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise counsel, you can wage, you can wage war. And in abundance of counsel, there's victory. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice, Proverbs 12, 15. So Moses, before he decided to, you know, beat up that Hebrew man and kill him, he, scripture doesn't say anywhere that he consulted God or that he even consulted people. He just did it. Because it's his calling and his assignment out of zeal. Then what happened? <clears throat> what happened next? Boom, he went to the wilderness. Boom, he's banished. Exodus 2, 14 to 15. Then Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. He killed a man. For sure enough, Pharaoh heard about what happened. He tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. How many of you guys know, just life lesson, you reap what you sow. So you either reap good fruit or you reap bad fruit. You always reap what you sow. 
right? There have been times I have been arrogant in conversations and people perceived my arrogance. And now they're like, hey, I perceive you as prideful. And that's hurtful. Like, that's like, I'm not, I'm, tra- I'm saying like, that's hurtful because I was in the wrong, you know, and I'm reaping bad fruit. Like, that was hurtful. And uh, like, I shouldn't have done it. And I was in the wrong. And Moses, what Moses did, he reaped bad fruit. He made a bad decision and he got to reap bad fruit. Galatians 6, 8 says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So Moses was full of pride. He was full of self-gain. He was full of like, just like, I'm going to go. And those things, how do you guys know, like pride, self-gain, self-love, like that's not of the spirit. What does 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is slow to anger. He, you know, he got angry. Love does not demand its own way. Moses moved in the completely opposite direction. He's moving in the flesh. There are consequences for your actions. When you move in the spirit, you reap fruit. When you move in the flesh, you, you reap bad fruit. You reap what you sow. Moses had moved in self-ambition, self-gain, and pride. God can't use that. Listen, beloved, if you, if you are called to authority in the kingdom, but you have an ounce of pride in you, God can't use that. It will, it will be revealed. I could share you that. It will. It will come out. God wanted to humble Moses so that he could shape him into the man that would lead Israel. Right? Because Moses was the guy. He's the guy, but he had pride in him. He had self-gain, self-motive. God was like, no, 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 no. I can't use that. You can't be a shepherd to my people when you got that. No, 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 no. Can't use that. So I was, I was thinking this week in a prayer room, man. I was just like, what was Midian like? Midian was the wilderness where Moses went. And think of Mars. So picture Mars in your, in your, in your brain. It's like that. And there's nothing. There's no QT. There's no Walmart. There's no access to electricity. No iPhones. I just can't. But like, there's just like, it's just like wilderness. It's bare. And there's barely, there's barely any bushes. And the bushes that are there are just like wank. Like they're not good. You know, it's like, I want to, I want to put it in perspective for you that Moses, he was son of Pharaoh. He was next in line to be the king. He knew for certain, scripture says he knew for certain that it was his God-given destiny to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. He knew that. And then suddenly, when he made a bad decision, he moved in flesh. All of that luxury that he had in the palace, riding chariots, eating grapes, cheese, like just like, you know, living in abundance, next in line to be king, high social status, like all these things that he was just blessed with, with favor of God. Because he moved in the flesh, suddenly it was taken away from him. Suddenly, it says suddenly in scripture that Moses sent an army against him to kill him. In a moment, what did Moses think? That, that must have been so painful. What did Moses think during that time when he was in the wilderness? He's like, man, I messed up. Man, like I really made a bad decision. Like every thought, 
Like, there have been times I really messed up. And I'm just like, man, did I really hear God? Like, Moses had that thought. Man, like, did, like is God even real? He questioned his salvation. I'm sure he questioned his salvation. He, it was just hard. Like, he, he had just been in luxury. And out of nowhere, it was just taken from him. I can only imagine the pain that Moses felt in the wilderness. Can you visualize Moses stumbling through that wasteland with his tailored clothing, right? Because he was prince, so he had nice clothing. <coughs> On thorns, tripping, lurching over rocks, picking his, own, his way through the wilderness. He was frightened and disillusioned, a fugitive running for his life. Pharaoh was sending armies for him. It's just painful. Moses was the prince of the biggest, one of the biggest empires in the world at that time. He had wealth and luxury at his disposal. I can only imagine the grief he felt, the depression when he was in the wilderness. It's real. Just like, man, I really messed up. The thoughts, if he heard God correctly, right? Because when, when, when you try to force your way through a door, you like, man, you start to question, like, did I really hear God? And that's just painful. Because sometimes, like, full of zeal, we're just like, man, like, it seems right. It seems like, it seems like just go. And then we start to question when it doesn't go. It's like, did I really hear God? Like, Moses felt that in Midian. The shame of the actions he did of killing those men. The questioning of his faith. The loneliness. The laying down of his dream. Think about that. 40 years of his life, he was... Just told, like, you're going to be the guy. You're the guy that's going to leave this whole, lead this whole thing and rescue the Israelites. Suddenly it was taken from him. What happened when he, when he went? He said, who made you leader? That was a Hebrew man. Who made you leader? Who said that you were the guy to lead us? Imagine how painful that was because his whole life, he was like, I'm the leader. I'm the guy. Like, this is me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. The Hebrew man said to him, bro, you ain't our leader. Who made you leader? And and something that I was just kind of like meditating on too, his time in the wilderness lasted 40 years, bro. Not a year of like hurting, not six months. You know, when you're hurting, three months feels like forever. Two weeks feels like forever. 40 years. 40 years. 40 years he had that. 40 years he felt, I could just imagine what he felt, man. He probably just sat and he was just like, just just in pain. Maybe you're at the spot of desperation and feeling some of the things that Moses potentially felt. Take note where it says Moses sat, because there's Jesus in the story. Exodus 2.15, 2.15, it says, when Moses arrived in Midian, he sat beside a well, right? Jesus says, I am the living water. Moses, when he was brought to his lowest point of desperation, where did he sit? He sat by the well. Something happens when we're brought to a, a point of brokenness and desperation, We've returned to our first love. That's where God meets you. Let's go.
page five, we got 11, I think. <laughs> it's not a coincidence that Moses, let me move this, hold up. This gets confusing. It's not a coincidence that Moses sat by a well in this place of just like brokenness and desperation. Like he sat by a well, that's Jesus. Jesus is the living water. God wants to bring us to the point of desperation where all, he, all we want is to do is sit by his, at his feet. What did Moses initially want? Moses was just like, just in the flesh, he was like, man, I'm going to lead these people. I'm going to have all this authority. Like the kingdom's going to say my name. He wasn't thinking about Jesus at all. He wasn't thinking about God giving the kingdom. He was thinking about him being exalted. And that's just real. Like that's like, that is real. Like if you feel like it's just real, it's so easy to get in there in ministry too, you know? Me and Casey have been, have been talking about, I can't, I don't have the scripture off the top of my head, but it, uh, John 3 something says that Jesus didn't entrust himself in man. Because like in ministry and leadership positions, it's so easy when you guys say, hey, that's a good sermon for a little root of pride to re, like grow in my heart. That's real. That's so real. So I receive that as a brother, but I don't receive it and let it get to my head. Because root of pride will get in my heart. And me and Casey are just like, man, we, like, we don't entrust ourselves to man. We entrust ourselves to what God says. We don't let like, all this like, get to us. Like, we're just servants. Like, we just like, love God and that's it. Who cares? Like, for real. So Exodus 2, 16 through 17. We're working past this, right? We're going verse by verse. So Exodus 2. Verse 16 to 17. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who had came as usual to draw water and fill water trots from their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. So in this time, again, like I've said before, Moses had this dream, desire, this calling, assignment to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt. He acted in the flesh. He got, went to the wilderness. He's in the place of desperation. He's sitting by the well, so he's seeking Jesus, seeking God. And during this time, because there are character things that God wanted to do in his heart. So what did God do? God positioned a, an opportunity for Moses to deliver a group of people on a smaller scale. So before, uh, just kind of kingdom principle, before you operate in the authority that the Lord has promised you or told you about, you need to start operating in that way in a smaller scale. So if the Lord has told you, you're going to be a pastor, are you leading small groups? If the Lord has told you, you're going to build a church, are you serving your local church? If the Lord has told you, you're going to lead, you know, you're going to start a business, are you meeting with business owners and just like learning and serving their vision. So Moses had developed a, a servant heart during the wilderness. Jesus said any leader would have to be a servant. Matthew 23, 11 says, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. If you recall, the Hebrew man had asked Moses, who appointed you as leader? That was his response back. Moses had pride and self gain in his heart. God can't use that. For any level of leadership and higher influence in the kingdom, the greater level of humility that you need. 
Like you, you, you just need humility. If the Lord's called you to leadership, you need humility. It's a constant humility thing. Or pride will just be rised up in your heart and it will be messy and it will be painful enough. I've been there. Those, so those seven girls needed someone to rescue them, right? If you read the passage, it says that there are shepherds trying to take the water from them. God was so faithful to Moses, like, hey, I want you to, I want you, you're a deliverer. That's what I've called you to be. But I want you to do that on a smaller scale first. I want you to just kind of, how, how about you deliver these seven girls first before delivering all of, all of the Israelites out of Egypt? I wonder what, what Moses, what would have happened if Moses was like, nah, 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 nah. That's too small for me. I deserve better. I wonder what would have happened if Moses still had pride in his heart. He was like, nah, 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 nah. I'm too good to serve. Nah, 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 nah. I'm too, like, I'm called to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, not deliver seven girls. Would God have used that type of character for a bigger purpose? No. Luke 16, 10 says, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the larger ones. So when Moses went to Midian and those seven girls were being attacked by other shepherds, that was Moses' opportunity to walk in his purpose, his assignment, and his calling on a smaller scale. A lot of times, the, like, really, if you're faithful in the smaller things, if you feel called to be a pastor, if you, like, are you shepherding, you know, like three people just faithfully, meeting with them, are you taking care of them? If you feel called to be a missionary, are you reaching your neighbors? Like, are you doing, like, are you just spreading the gospel? You know, if you feel called to be a teacher, you know, are, are you just like, going through that process of being a teacher assistant and just like, just learning. Kingdom principle, leadership is servanthood. What God was doing in this story with the seven daughters, it was teaching Moses to be a servant. So Moses 2, 18 to 22, when the girls re- returned to real, their father asked them, why are you back so soon? As an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered, and they drew water for us and watered the flocks. And where is he? The father asked. Why didn't you leave him there? Invite him to come eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation. He, excuse me, he settled there with him. In time, Rule gave Moses his daughter Zerophora to be his wife. Later, she gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, for he explained, "I have been a foreigner in this land." At this point, it's like, man, really, it's just painful because, like, Moses was Pharaoh's son. He was in luxury. He had everything at his disposal. And suddenly, you know, he even had a dream and desire and an assignment to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt. And now, now he's, he's, he's all the way down here. He's only rescuing seven people. Do you imagine the pain that is? Do you, do you, it's, almost like, it's almost like God has spoken. Let's just put for an example. God has spoken to you that you're going to be a business owner, and you're working just like this, this horrible job. You feel the sense of like, man, I was destined for more. Like I, have, like I, was, I, I was made for more. That's how Moses felt. Moses felt like, man, I was destined for more. I was, I was destined to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, and I'm doing this on such a small scale. And now I'm, I'm, now I'm getting married to this girl who, you know, like I was, I was on, on track to marry like the this, this beautiful woman of Egypt, and now I'm just here, and now I'm submitting to this shepherd man, you know, and just like doing, 
doing this thing. I was riding chariots. I was, I was eating the finest food. And now I'm in Midian. Like, do you imagine? Do you know, beloved, the, the grief that he felt? He felt so much grief. Moses had to learn the humility of relating to people and lowering himself. Because again, as Pharaoh's son, his social status was up here. God is like, man, if you got pride in your heart and if you think, you're, you think of yourself up here, I can't use you. I need to lower you. I need to lower you and you can be a shepherd. I need you to relate to these shepherds in Midian. I need you to stop thinking of yourself as Pharaoh's son. I need you to stop thinking of yourself as that guy. You're not that guy. I need you to start thinking of yourself as a servant. Because ain't that real? That's real. To put in perspective, I already said this, Moses was the prince of Egypt socially and culturally. He would have never been caught with someone like, like that shepherd, that shepherd, and with those seven girls. Just like, you know, it's very different now, like in our times, but in, in, in their times, like people had different social status. Moses was up here. The shepherds were down here. He would have never been down there, never been caught as Pharaoh's son. He would have never been down there. And because Moses had pride in his heart, he's like, man, I can't use you. If you're going to deliver my people and you're going to be a representative of me, I can't use you if you got pride. So I'm going to make that not happen when you're 40. And I'm going to take you to the school of the wilderness where you learn humility and you learn how to serve under someone else. Right? Because Moses had no boss when he was a prince. He was like, I need you to serve the lowest person in the social Spectrum. I need you to smear yourself. I need you to go low. I need you to learn how to be gentle and lonely, Moses, if I'm going to use you. If, I, if you're going to be my guy, my representative, the guy that goes up on Sinai and says that you meet with me face to face, I can't use you if you got pride in your heart. I can't use you if you think you're better than people. I can't use you, uh-oh, for a revival if you got pride in your heart. I can't use you if you got pride in your heart. Moses had to learn how to be out of spotlight. Moses would have been in line to marry, and this was out of a commentary. Moses would have been in line to marry an exotic type beauty back in Egypt. He settled down with a shepherdess, and he gave birth to their firstborn. Moses gave him an unusual name, Gershom. It means that he's a, 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 like a foreigner, like he's like an outcast. That's what Moses had become, an outcast in a distant land, forgotten. He came to Midian not knowing anyone, not knowing the ropes, and not knowing where he was going to live. But Jephro, who was a shepherd, he was like, hey, man, like, come live with me. I'm going to give you a job. You're going to be a shepherd. Yeah, I know you used to be the prince of Egypt, but come on, I'll give you a job. I'll give you a place to stay. Let me ask you this directly. Are you willing to go low for your calling? Are you willing to serve someone else's dream? Are you willing to go low, you know, not, not walk in the flesh, be like, man, I deserve this. That's what, that's what God was trying to teach Moses. What we got. So I think we're not going to make it to the burning bush. We might, we might be able to get a little bit. Let's do 9.30. That gives me eight minutes. 
All right, Exodus 3, 1. So we're going verse by verse, right? One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jephro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. So something to note about this scripture was that it had been 40 years later. Moses had, you know, learned humility. He pretty much had came to terms to himself, like, this is, this is life. I'm going to be a shepherd. I don't even know if I'm going to be a deliverer of Israel anymore. So it's an ordinary day. So something to note in this passage, God speaks in ordinary days. He speaks in the ordinary. When you're least expecting it, when you're driving to your job, when you're just going to school, boom, the burning bush. It's just the ordinary day. There's no scripture that says God spoke to Moses during that four decades in Midian. So we can assume that he didn't. None. Imagine him laying at night, staring at the stars, defeated with anguish, so much that he accepted that his destiny was just to be a shepherd in Midian. Moses had gotten in the rhythm of shepherding sheep in Midian. I would assume that, that he thought that was it, and he fully surrendered his dream of being delivered. But verse 2, but Jesus, right? What did, what did we say earlier? He's faithful to his promise. But Jesus. Verse 2 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see the great sight, why the bush is not burned. Something to note on this passage is God uses extravagant things to speak to us. So sometimes God uses, like you'll hear the guy who was in an accident, in a horrible accident, and he's miraculously spared. That's Jesus. Like God is trying to speak to you. Like you have a purpose in your life. And then you'll, you'll, like, you'll ask him, be like, bro, how'd you survive? He'll be like, you know, luck. Or something like that. It's like, no, nah, that's Jesus, bro. Like, he's really, like, trying to get a hold of you. There's a purpose for your life. Or you'll have a guy who just, like, or a girl who, like, overdoses on drug and then they miraculously survive. And it's like, bro, like, what happened? You know, like, you, like, you good? Like, it's like, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, how you, how'd you live? And it's like, I don't know. That's Jesus, bro. Like, God uses, like, extraordinary events to speak to you. And that's what happened to Moses. Moses was just chilling in the wilderness out of nowhere, bro. A burning bush. Think about it. It's just a burning bush and it's internal and flames. And it's just gone. It's like, I'm just here chilling with my like, sheep, just doing my thing for the past 40 years. Boom. Bro, what? Like this, this bush is just burning. And I could just imagine the like, I'm so shocked. There's something in your life that feels unordinary. I would question if it's God's trying to speak to you. If you're, if you're in the rhythm of just doing ordinary things and boom, you have something that feels like a burning bush, bush and then it would be like burning bush. Then I would, qu- I would question like that's God trying to, trying to speak to you. There was, a, uh, there was a time I was overseas and I uh, sold my car to make my way for my short-term trip. And, 
you know, I was just thinking, I was like, man, I'm going to get back and I don't got a car. So that was kind of like a big weight then. I didn't realize like I, I could just go work and, and <laughs> buy one, <laughs> you know, just an immaturity. But I was just like, man, like, what am I going to do, bro? I feel called to missions. Like, what am I going to do? And like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, bro, just go work. <laughs> like, but, but, but at the time I was like, I was like, man, like, what am I going to do? This is like the end of life right now. Like I'm going through like crisis and God's so faithful, man. He had someone give me a car. <laughs> he should have made me work. <laughs> but I was blessed with a car and like that's an extravagant thing. Like God, what God spoke to me in that season was like, I got you, son. Like, yeah, you're going through it, but I got you. Looking back, yeah, he should have made me work. Amen. When the Lord, so verse three, and when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. The most important part about this verse is, is that it says there was a burning bush and that when Moses set aside a time to see the bush. So a lot of times in life, we're going through rhythms, we're doing our thing. God wants to speak to you, but we don't make time. Moses, when the burning bush, he had to actually look at the burning bush. He had to actually stop what he was doing and look at the burning bush. And then it says, and then, and then the following statement says that God called to him out of the bush. But what happened first? Moses had to stop and look at the burning bush. You know, life is so full of curveballs and different events Maybe God's trying to speak to you in the midst of just like odd events. And he's trying to speak to you through a burning bush. But you have, to, you have to turn and look. And that's what he was doing for Moses 40 years later. He's like, Moses, I still want to speak to you. There's this burning bush. I just put this extravagant thing that would never happen in reality ahead of you. I'm just trying to get your attention. Will you just look? You know, God a lot of times is saying, what, what is it going to take? What will, it finally, what will finally happen to make, make you just look at me for a minute to turn aside, to consider that I'm trying to talk to you? Moses' response when he saw the burning bush was, I'm here. Here I am. Don't, don't try to, you know, kid yourself. And, and thinking like, man, like I deserve this divine encounter. Moses was at this place of just divine desperation and brokenness that when God had finally appeared to him 40 years later, the only thing he had to say was, I'm here. He's not impressed with you. He's checking on your humility, your sensitivity, and your availability. Yeah, that was good, right? He's checking on your humility, your sensitivity, and your availability. He's looking for someone that will slow down long enough to check out the burning bush. And when he calls, he asks for just a simple acknowledgement. So he's just asking for you to, here I am, Lord, speak. Your servant's here, speak. Then he, uh, verse 4 and 6, we're going to try to get through this. 
Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. Right? Who's heard that? That's, that's pretty, like, iconic. For the place which you are standing in holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And it says, Moses hid his face. Because he, he was just so full of grief. Could you imagine, like, God appeared to him 40 years later in a burning bush. He had just went through this painful four decades of just grief and just desperation and depression. This feeling of that he was made for more, but he's just settling. And it says that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Suddenly, all the thoughts came up to Moses. He's the same God that promised me that I was going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And it says, out of shame, he hit his face. It's like, man, I don't even want to look at you. I'm so, like, what did it mean? Like, what was God, why did God say take off your sandals? I always thought that was weird. And then I did a little bit of meditation and just looking at different commentaries. God was inviting Moses to a place that he was completely separate. So he wanted just intimacy with Moses. Moses, I just want to speak to you face to face right now. Take off your sandals. I want to, I want to create a place where it's just me and you. Take off the distractions of, of everything else, your responsibilities. I just want to speak to you, beloved. Uh-oh. Oh, here we go. When God calls you, he wants your immediate attention. That's what, that's what God was saying to Moses. Take off your sandals. I just want to speak to you right now. Take off just responsibility, tasks that you have to do. I just want to speak to you. He wants your full heart engaged in what he's trying to say to you. And last couple of verses that we're going to end on. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the, the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and Hittites. Hittites, right? Hittites? The Amorites and the, and the Pesachites. These names are so difficult. Oh, first generation Latino. The, the Hivites and the and, and Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel came to me and I have seen the opposition from which the Egyptians oppressed them. And I will send you, Moses, 40 years later, after all that hardship, after you've been humbled, now you're ready. Now I'm going to send you. Now... Now I can use you after I killed all that pride in you. Now I can use you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.